The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports, the where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Thursday, so that means Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective. If you were living under a rock somewhere last week, you missed the most important week in football, NFL, college football. The table is now being set, and my host, Mario Vitanzi, is going to go on a tirade in a moment because he's on fire. Give me that audio, please. Fire. He's on fire, Mario Vitanzi. You have now had the floor. Let's discuss what took place last week in the Mile High City. The Denver Broncos and Andrew Luck Skywalker came in and dethroned Peyton Manning and the beloved Broncos. You now have the floor. The most irritating thing about that whole game, Nick, because I was there. You know, I'm, I'm looking the players. I'm on the same sideline as the Denver Broncos players. I'm right up in the action. You know, we're, we're first level, only a couple rows up. And the body language, Nick, was deplorable. Are you kidding me? This is a playoff game, Nick. And let me tell you what exactly happened. These players were looking ahead. Not just the players. But the coaches as well. And not just the players and coaches, but the fans. The fans were more invested, Nick, in the Patriots-Ravens game than the Broncos-Colts game. Because I thought, oh, well, if the Ravens win, then we get another home game in the playoffs. Well, guess what, Broncos fans, Broncos players, and Broncos coaches? Y'all got to win the divisional round first. So they came out there. Nick, they scored on the first drive. But let me say this. (laughs) If Peyton Manning doesn't get, doesn't draw... That penalty early on in the drive on a third down, that drive stalls, and they punt, and they might not score a damn touchdown the whole game. But, you know, that's that's it is what it is. They ended up scoring. And so the fans are sitting up thinking, oh, we're good. We got this. Defense came out firing. Broncos scoring their first possession. It's going to be a blowout, right? Wrong, because they couldn't get into the end zone again. There was no effort. There was no heart. A select few guys like C.J. Anderson, who had – 
arguably one of the best runs in Broncos history and only went for about five or seven yards. But even if you look at that play, Nick, if you look at the replay, when Landry hits Anderson in the backfield, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders both give up on the play. Now, at least Sanders was lucky enough to be in position to block his guy. But DT and Sanders weren't blocking their cornerbacks. Why? They thought the play was over too. So there's four guys on the whole left side of the field that thought the play was over. If DT puts a block on his guy, CJ Anderson scores. It's 21-17. And your old friend Uncle Mo is back on the side of the Denver Broncos. So all these fans that are out here saying, well, why would you fire John Fox? He had an over 700% winning percentage, won over 70% of his games. So why would you fire him? Well, guess what? What is the definition of insanity, Mr. Ferguson? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. This is what we've come to expect from this Broncos team. And I don't know what's worse. The fact that they gave up after the first quarter against the Colts or that Super Bowl fiasco last year that no one wanted to talk about until now. So do you put the blame on the players? Do you put it on John Elway? Do you put it on John Fox? Everybody has to absorb it, but let me tell you who I most dislike in all of this, and that is the Broncos training staff that kept the injury from Manning. Do you really think Peyton Manning would have pushed the play in Week 17 if he thought that, or if he knew that he had a torn quad? You know how this business works, Nick. Anytime you can get on the field, they will tell you you better get your ass on the field. But if you're going to play that game with Peyton Manning, that is an awfully dangerous hand to be dealt. So now Manning's got to be irritated. You know he didn't want to be out there on a torn quad. So why play Week 17 against the Raiders? Do you really think Brock Osweiler couldn't go out there, turn the ball and hand it off to C.J. Anderson for the whole game? Give me a break, Nick. This team had to make changes. They clean house. They're going to get new guys in. And above all else, they need to let go of a keep to leave. He is a me-first player. He is overrated. And I don't want him on this team. And now I'm going to take a break, take a breather. Make sure I don't pass out. Well, I'm glad you are not passing out. That was a mouthful. We're going to jump into that more on the show. But here's another guy who is just as fired up, wanting to burn the place down, just like you, Mario. He is upset. You upset your Broncos laws. He's upset that it's Alabama, roll tide, for some reason did not do what most people in college football expected him to do. Ladies and gentlemen, Account executive Bobby Wesson. And, and Bob, for, for you guys who haven't seen the video, I believe it's on YouTube. You got to go check it out. If you love college football, if you're a fan of SEC football, you must see this video. Now, now, now Bobby, explain to our listeners what made you decide to make this video. Good morning, Nick. I appreciate you having me on. I, uh, I was hurting that morning my friends my family my brothers my sisters all of them were hurting that morning and uh someone had to say something and that someone was me now i didn't know it was going to get the kind of views that it did it was going to get the kind of reach that it did and if it did nick i would have done a better job but i woke up that morning and i was sad my wife was sad the guy on the drive time radio show was sad. The mailman was sad. My dog was sad, Nick. He didn't even lift his leg to pee. It just rippled down his leg like he had nothing to live for. And I wanted to speak to my the fan base, the real Alabama fans that have been there in a low time and have still said roll tide. 
Well, you know folks what? that know that your roll tide will not be judged in the light of day, but in the dark of night, when though it be reviled and every syllable spat upon, you still roll tide. Twelve and two, and we beat Auburn. That's a great season, roll tide. We may have ran out of time in New Orleans, but we went to overtime in Baton Rouge when we beat LSU. Roll tide. You know what? I, I, I the more I see the video. Uh, the, the, the more I look at it and I say, well, here's a fan who loves his team. He decided instead of going out frustrated, breaking things, yelling at the kid, kicking the dog, he decided to take to social media and air his grievance. And what I thought was, you know, a profound way to do it. It was kind of hilarious to me in the form of how you chose uh, to do it now, now tell me this now is everyone in your household a roll tie fan and if they're not how did you use the jedi mind trick to persuade them to roll tie well you know you can't pick your family nick we all know that some people we have drug addicts in our family you know you've got people that might be less than reputable in your family and then Worse than God forbid, you may have an Auburn fan in your family. And if you do, my heart goes out to you because I've been there. I know how it is sitting around Thanksgiving trying to share a meal with these type of people. Uh, it's hard. You know, it's something that you deal with every day here in this rivalry. Because unlike other rivalries, Ohio State and Michigan's a big one, uh, we see these people every day. We work with them. We are in relationships with them. We're friends with them, and, you know, if we order fries, at McDonald's, an Auburn fan hands that to you. And you don't want to see that face if you lose that game. So you try your best to make them see the light, the same way you would with anyone you cared about. Like a good Christian person would. You're concerned about their soul. You don't want them to live their life like that. There's a better way. So you do your best to try and bring them over. But, you know, we're not always successful, Nick. So tired. We do what we can. <laughs> in the military, they have a saying in the Marines, it's honor, core, God, country. In the, the southern east region of the country, it seems as it goes, Bear Bryant, Nick Saban, Alabama Crimson Tide, and everyone else. Why is it that football, you know, football is so big in the state of Alabama? That's a good question. It's been asked many times and answered by better men than me, but I'll do my best to try and answer the question. Nick, it's part of our culture. It's ingrained in us. You make that allegiance to a team before you're trusted with making decisions about what lunchbox I'm going to take to school and what I'm going to put inside of. They won't trust you with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich over ham, but you make the decision that's going to guide the rest of your life as to what fan base you're going to be a part of. And it's going to affect you in some very important ways. It's going to decide you know, friendships, relationships, promotions, who you marry, how you schedule your day on Christmas and Thanksgiving, and what you buy for those people. It's, uh, it's not a decision that should be taken lightly. And uh, it's not one that you can backtrack on either. I know you know these people that, you know, at about age... 25 or 30, they decide they want to be a Bama fan. And we've got a lot of that in the Southeastern Conference, too. 
you know, we've got a lot of bandwagon fans that quietly took off that crimson and traded it out for some Oregon green after we lost that game to Ohio State. But uh, like I say, your roll tide is the loudest when hearts are at their lowest. And your roll tide is the only roll tide that can be heard. You know, it's loud when there's 100,000 fans behind you screaming. It's easy to do that on the road to 16. It's hard to roll tide back at square one. It's hard to roll tide when you're the only one that's doing it, but that's when your roll tide counts, Nick. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Secondary Perspective. We're joined by Alabama superfan Bobby Wesson, and we're talking about his video, uh, his roll tie video. Now, we've debated constantly on this program about college football and the SEC, and I've said it myself that I'm not a true believer that the SEC is the best conference in college football. Now, now we have the new college football playoff format, and there are many people that have said that now that this format has been in place, this is now the end of an era for SEC football. Do you agree with that? Well, let me tell you, Nick, the college football playoff is, is new to most of the country. But at the Southeastern Conference, we've had a default playoff for the last decade. We called it the SEC Championship Code. You know, whoever has won the SEC Championship game has gone on to win the national title uh, seven straight years. And then we have another team that played Florida State, and uh, they didn't do it. And, you know, Wisconsin and Ohio State and the Big Ten, they, uh, they got up a championship this year. They've won one out of nine, Nick. Now, let me ask you a question. If you got in your car and started it, and it only cranked up one out of nine times, how would you feel about that car, Nick? I might have take that car back in and get my money back. <laughs> well, if you went to a doctor and he only cured one out of nine patients, is that the man that you want to see? No, Depends how good the one is. <laughs> I mean, if the one dude, the one dude that he helps has cancer and he takes it away, I'll give that doctor a shot. The blind squirrel yeah, okay. found a nut. You make you make a good point, but <laughs> all other things being even, and let's say that the cure was uh, you know standard across all of them. One does not a dominant conference make. One is not a dominant team make. You know, show me a five in a row. Go ahead and get these pundits to write out your death sentence and eulogy and just hang it on the wall and wait for the day that they can print it. Look at it every morning and this might be it. Excited about the SEC going down. Excited to say the king is dead. The king is not dead, Nick. As long as cornbread still cooked in grandma's kitchens and Nick Saban is coaching at Alabama, the SEC is going to be strong. And no matter how many championships are won by these other teams, you're still chasing Bama. I can't count the number of championships on all my fingers. I need five more. <laughs> Fifteen. That's true. You know what? There were some people that were sad about Alabama losing. There was one person that was happy down here. Your Ohio State fans were happy. Oregon fans were happy. A lot of these talking heads and pundits were happy. Georgia Tech fans were happy too, right, was Nick? The cleaning lady at the Alabama Sports Complex because, Nick, she's got a hard job polishing all that hardware and all those trophies. She gets home <laughs> late every night. You know, the gravy on the mashed potatoes has that film on the top of it. No one wants to eat that. She gets behind on all of her shows. She has the DVR empire and they hold her hands over her head when her friends are talking about it because she, she, she got caught up. She has to work late every day. I'm going to start a Kickstarter 
for the cleaning lady at the Alabama Sports Complex and get her some help next. But, Make sure they just eat those potatoes before the gravy gets uh, gets too solid. You, you know what, <laughs> but, but, Bobby, you are killing me right now. Roll Tide. I mean, you know, yeah. Hey, you know what? You know, I'm going to use Roll Tide. I'm not an Alabama fan. I'm a Georgia Tech guy. But it just seemed like that that word, that phrase, Roll Tide, has now been kind of imprinted into our verbiage. Maybe they should put that in a dictionary as an adjective of something that you can use for anything. You know, how did Jim play today in the basketball? Hey, he was sensational. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, fella. Roll Roll Tide. Well, Bobby, you know, once again, you know, if you haven't seen the video, I'm going to post it on social media. You have to check it out. It's a fan's inspirational comments to the fan base to tell them never lose sight of what the goal is. And the fact that because we lost one game doesn't necessarily mean the program is in a dumpster. You have Nick Saban. I mean, he goes into a kid's living room and he can recruit anyone. All he has to say is... Roll Tide. That's it. Roll Get up and walk out. So, Bobby, once again, thank you for joining the program. I appreciate it. We got to have you back on sometime later when college football season and is in full swing. And in typical Bama fashion, for Bobby Wesson, Roll Tide. Roll Tide. It was my pleasure, Nick. I enjoyed it. Call me back anytime. All Roll right. Tide, appreciate Feller. it. Roll Tide. Mario, that, 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 that was great. And when you look at football, you, whether it's Pop Warner, whether it's NFL, or no, let's, let's just throw it out there. Let's just talk about major sports, period. There's always a hero, a villain, and these rivalries. And we'll talk about that more on the opposite side of the break when we talk about the New England Patriots facing Andrew Luck Skywalker and the Seattle Seahawks battle against the Green Bay Packers for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I'm sure Mario is still fired up, so we're going to let him dig into more. Get fired up, fired up, fired up. There it is, Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. We'll be back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
That is 80s band, 80s, 90s band. Jim Blossom, one of my favorite uh, bands. Just a little fun fact about Nick Ferguson, and you're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America. And Mario, what a fitting song for what we're talking about right now. Found out about you. And yes, did we find out about the Denver Broncos? And I told you, Mario, and you said, Nick, I thought you played for the Denver Broncos. How could you be so hard on him? And I tried to tell you on this very program that Mario, hey, Denny Green, they were who we thought they were. Yes, they started off red hot at the beginning of the season. Peyton Manning, 22 touchdowns, only two interceptions. But I told you, in order to get to Arizona, you need that test. This team needed to be tested to see if they were ready to take that next step. We've seen so many teams, Major League Baseball, NBA, and NFL, put together on paper and look like Super Bowl champs. And you know, there's a saying where I come from, Mario, and I'm sure you're familiar with this. They call that paper champs. And the Broncos were just that paper champs. I told you, yes, you beat the Arizona Cardinals. You beat the San Francisco 49ers. People say that the Broncos should have beat or beaten the Seattle Seahawks. No, no, this team was not ready. You can't play against Andrew Skywalker and then you have two rush-ins and Ware and Von Miller and they don't end up on a stat sheet. So someone had to jump on a grenade and it was John Fox. Usually when the team is not doing well, they fire someone and it starts at the top. You've seen, you know, uh, what is it? The Apprentice with Donald Trump. He fires the person who was in charge. And in this case, it was John Fox. But you can look at that roster. You can look at that coaching staff. And we can select different people to say, well, you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Ryan Clady and Orlando Franklin against the Colts pass rusher. We're not talking about Dwight Freeney or Robert Mathis. We're just talking about a regular guy giving them fits on pass rush. And then everyone knew or we saw what no one wanted to say there was something wrong with Peyton Manning. Now it's coming out that it was a terror in his quad. I think it was more than that. When you cannot throw the ball vertically down the middle of the field, that is a problem. That's why Adam Gase catered this offense to fit the diminishing skill set of Peyton Manning. And don't get me wrong. Now I know I'm on fire right now. But I like Peyton Manning. Competitor. And he showed that toughness going out there with that tear in the squad. And I'll tell you what, I know we want to jump on the medical staff, but Peyton had to know there was something wrong with his squad. But that tells you a lot about Peyton Manning and his toughness and his resilience. But more importantly, what it tells us is about Peyton and the organization, Faith and Brock Osweiler. And I had to talk, saw Byron Chamberlain, former Denver Bronco, two-time champion of Denver Broncos. I have to call him out because he called me out on Twitter. Said that Brock Osweiler, was just waiting in the wings to take the next step to take over for Peyton Manning, and we should give him a chance. Give him a chance? Give him a chance to what? Hand the ball off? That's about it. This franchise needs to go back to the drawing board. And one thing that I'm happy about, Mario, the idea that John Elway is thinking about calling his old friend up, who's now the offensive coordinator for a short period of time, I believe, for the Baltimore Ravens, and that's Gary Kubiak. He was John Elway's backup. Who better to bring in to the Denver Broncos organization? If you're not going to bring Kube, you might as well bring Mike Shanahan. 
So with that, I end my tirade right there. And Andrew Skywalker has an opportunity this weekend to do what quarterbacks or some quarterbacks never get a chance to do. They get a chance to play against the Empire. That's right. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Can he get it done? I think not. The Patriots win that game. Bold prediction, there it is. You got the floor, Mario. Well, I don't know how bold that is, Nick. I, mean, I wouldn't necessarily say you're in the minority for thinking that the Patriots are going to go to the Super Bowl this weekend. But, I mean, we, we can get into so many things with this Denver Broncos team. But, I mean, we, we really don't have the time here. I mean, if you want to get our opinions, you want to ask us about it, you want some more in-depth uh, fire, as it were. Go follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mile High Mario. Nick is at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. And I'll say one more thing before we move on, Nick. This whole deal with Peyton Manning, and I told you during the break, after the Broncos lost to the St. Louis Rams when they abandoned the run game and they basically forced the game on Peyton. They weren't running the ball. They, I mean, C.J. Anderson had a great game the game before. That was at Oakland when he kind of had his coming out party. And they only gave him the ball, you know, like nine times, I think it was, if I'm remembering correctly. So not even double-digit carries. So they were forcing Peyton Manning to win the game for them. And what happened, Nick? He didn't get it done. They beat the Rams deep for one long touchdown pass, and that was about it. And it was at that point I went out on Twitter and I said, if this is the Peyton Manning that's supposed to bring us to the promised land, then this season is going to end in heartbreak once again. And people jumped down my throats, Nick. People crushed me for it because you're not allowed to say anything bad about Peyton Manning. And the last few weeks of the season, everybody knew I'm going to say, everybody who had an ounce of logic in their brain knew something was wrong with Peyton Manning, especially after the Cincinnati Bengals game. I come out there and say how bad he was, and people are crushing me saying, he's still Peyton Manning. What better option do we have? Look, I'm not saying that Brock Osweiler is a better option. He might be, Nick. To this point, we really don't know. So you and Byron, that's kind of like a wait-and-see argument. But as far as is Peyton Manning the answer, he had a three-year window, Nick. He didn't get it done in those three years. So how long is this window being left open? Do you really think that he's going to get better when he turns 39 years old? And he's not a John Elway, 38, 39, where he still has a cannon for an arm and he can still move around. We all remember the John Elway helicopter spin in Super Bowl 32. But Peyton Manning... Never has been, nor will he ever be that guy. And he's only going to get less mobile. His arm is only going to get less strong. And going forward, Brock Osweiler might not be the option. I don't know what is the solution, but I tell you what is not, and it's Peyton Manning. Well, I'll tell you this, Mario. The organization in Denver, they have a lot of thinking to do. Peyton Manning has a lot to maul over. Now, Adam Gase isn't there. Jack Del Rio has taken a head coaching job in the division with the Oakland Raiders. So, Which means he'll the, be unemployed again in a year and a half, so that's not that big well, a deal. Well, well g- g- give him about two, two to three years because uh, Reggie McKenzie might give him an opportunity knowing as though, hey, he, had, he built a great defense in Denver. And in traditional retrospect to what's happened with previous coaches with the Oakland Raiders, I think they want to try to change that trend and give him the ability to try to change things in that two to three year uh, uh, period. But the Broncos do have a lot to do. Let's talk about Jack Del Rio. 
this would make the second Denver Broncos coach in the past maybe five years, defensive coordinator that is, the first was Dennis Allen, and he didn't last that long. And then now Jack Del Rio takes over. Uh, Oakland defense that was, I would say, pretty decent, maybe mediocre at best, but they have a lot of veteran players. So has he set himself up for failure, Mario? Because like you just stated, this is an organization that has a turnaround on coaches. It's like a revolving door. You're only there for a short period of time. And how long would it take Jack Del Rio to move out all the former players that Dennis Allen drafted that did not fit the mold? He has a, a young quarterback and, you know, there who's ready to, to take over, but he doesn't have all the other pieces. Run DMC is a free agent at the end of this year, and he's, he was the healthiest he's ever been in his entire career. And he so, still didn't get the job done. No, still didn't get the job done. So, so now you got to put pieces around your young quarterback, Derek Carr. Once again, I ask you the question, can Jack Del Rio do this, and will it take him five years to do it? Well, here's the thing, Nick. I don't even know if they'll give him five years. It seems like after about a decade, the Raiders are finally going in the right direction. They finally have a quarterback, and that's the most important thing in this league. I mean, it's it's well documented. Look at all of the teams remaining. Look at all the teams that made the playoffs. They all have, you know, a top tier or a second tier quarterback. So your your franchise, regardless of how good the team is around you, and we have those rare instances of, you know, the uh, Baltimore Ravens with Trent Dilfer and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Brad Johnson, but that happens so rarely. And now in today's NFL, offense is more punctuated than defense. So you need a quarterback. So at least he has that in place. But here's the well-documented thing about Jack Del Rio, Nick, is he has his guys. So it'll be easier for him than guys in the past to bring in his guys. And obviously, they're going to be defensive guys. And Terrence Knighton, who is a well-known Broncos defensive tackle and a free agent, has said he will follow Del Rio. He followed him from Jacksonville to Denver. And we'll see if he follows him from Denver to Oakland. That's that's really putting it on the line. Like, let's see how much of a Del Rio guy you are when you got to play in Oakland. And the, the thing with this Del Rio hiring, Nick, I think he was so desperate to be a head coach again because he thought he would be last year. They had a pretty decent defense, made it to the Super Bowl. And then after the Super Bowl debacle, nobody really wanted to touch Del Rio. And he, he just seems like he has the ego of a head coach. He can't be restricted as a defensive coordinator. And it just came off to me as very desperate. Like, obviously, the Oakland Raiders were the only team that were going to give him a head coaching position and he took it right away so I mean if they're going in the right direction they have Latavius Murray who is a very talented back we saw flashes of that this year but he couldn't really stay healthy such as the case with every single Oakland Raider running back they're likely going to be able to draft Amari Cooper to give David Carr someone to throw to and that or Derek Carr and that's the most important thing is you know, put talent around your quarterback. So if you have a chance to get the best receiver in the draft in Cooper, and really it's not a very deep draft when it comes to receivers, I think that'll be a great move for them. They have Khalil Mack, who could have won Defensive Rookie of the Year if it wasn't for Donald over in uh, St. Louis. So the structure is there, Nick. And at, at long last, they're going in the right direction but they have to be patient. This is what the Raiders do best. They are not patient with their coaches. They don't let them get their systems in place. And they have to start over every two to three years. 
So we'll see how it goes. But it just kind of reeked of desperation that he would want to go to the armpit of the NFL in Oakland. Well, you know what? He fits. He kind of fits that Oakland mode if you think about it. He played linebacker in the league. And you, you always want that kind of toughness built into your, your organization. And you want players to be able to look at their head coach and be able to take on that head coach's uh, personality. So I think he's got a lot of work to do, but I think he will be able to get it done because now, like I said, he is the second defensive coordinator from the Denver Broncos to be a Raiders head coach, but he is the third Denver Broncos coach to get a head coaching job within a division. You know, Mike McCoy is with the San Diego Chargers as, as their head coach. And no matter whoever that John Elway and the organization, Denver Broncos organization, brings in to be a head coach, that Jack Del Rio feels as though he has his pulse on the personnel and the roster in that locker room on both sides of the ball. So he, he has an inside track, if you will, on what to expect, whether Peyton comes back or they choose to go in the direction of Brock Osweiler because he's got a chance to see this kid every day in practice on scouting. So maybe he may be ahead of the curve just slightly on the Denver Broncos organization. If you want to get into the conversation, you give us a call at 888-346-9144. Once again, that number is 888-346-9144. Now, Mario, there's been a lot of moving and shaking. And when I say that, as far as the standpoint of coaching, there's been a lot of coaching vacancies, a lot of rumors as to who was going to get what job. But some of those rumors are now been laid to rest as now Rex Ryan stays within a division, leaves New York, New York, New York, but heads to Buffalo, New York, the home of the Buffalo Wild Wings, and takes over that head coaching job. And Todd Bowles, my former secondary coach with the New York Jets, now become, becomes their head coach. And let's talk about Todd Bowles a little bit. Now, I thought Todd Bowles should have received this position as head coach of an NFL franchise maybe two years ago. But now he gets his chance. And once again, just like we talked about Jack Del Rio, is he in the best situation to be successful? Because you have Geno Smith, who has been very unproven. And he was drafted by uh, John Isaac with the New York Jets, who's no longer there as a GM. I think Todd Bowles brings a lot to the table. But once again, like Jack Del Rio, it, there's a lot he has to do. And I wonder how long Woody Johnson is going to hang with him. Because what we do know is minority coaches get an opportunity to coach in the league. And when you do and you don't succeed or you're not successful, those opportunities don't come. They don't come around that often. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic for Todd. You know, he was my coach, like I said. I hope that he can turn it around. But it's going to be very difficult with Bill Belichick and, and Tom Brady being still in that division. So maybe with Todd Bowles, I give them a chance. I, I bump them up ahead in the division behind New England, ahead of the Miami Dolphins, because we still don't know if Joe Philbin is going to be in that position. So what was your take on Todd Bowles being announced as the new head coach of the New York Jets? I, I thought it was a good hire, Nick. I mean, everybody, for the last couple of seasons, it seems like Rex Ryan has been on the hot seat, and it's very difficult to coach perpetually on the hot seat. I mean, just ask Tom Coughlin. He's, uh, he's on the hot seat every single year for the Giants, it seems like. But the Todd Bowles is a good hire. I think the good thing about going over to the Jets is their defense is solid. 
Their defense can get the job done for the most part. You know, there's not too much work to be done there. A lot of young talent, uh, very good against the run, good pass rush. So it's in place. But the question that you brought up, obviously, Geno Smith. And that is just a poop show, if you will, Nick. I mean, Geno Smith is coming out here. And not only does he have one of the worst QBRs in the league, but he's making statements saying, oh, well, I've shown flashes of being an all-pro. Like, I don't know if it's drugs you're on or drugs that you need to be on, Gino, but almost nothing that I've seen from you has indicated that you would be a pro bowler or all pro or whatever terminology that you want to use. So that's a mess. My solution, if I'm Todd Bowles, push really hard for Jay Cutler. And I know that sounds crazy, but here's the thing. New York Jets fans want Jameis Winston, but do you really want to risk another early first round pick on an unproven quarterback? Now, Jameis Winston is a little better coming out than Geno Smith was from West Virginia, but he has a lot more baggage. That's a lot of money to invest in a kid that has so many question marks and so many character flaws. So you might as well go out there, get a veteran in Jay Cutler who can at least get the job done better than Geno Smith. Is that the answer long term? No, but it'll improve the team right away because I know we give a lot of crap to Jay Cutler, Nick, and I know that he's not the best, but he's better than Geno Smith. But that's just me. But I think this Todd Bowles fit is going to be good. I don't think that they're going to overtake the Bills, however, in that division. Because I think Rex Ryan knows too much about that organization. And the Bills, once they find a quarterback, are going to be a playoff team. Well, you say once they find a a quarterback. Well, we still have to wait to see if E.J. Manuel can actually be that guy or will Rex Ryan choose to go in a different direction. On the opposite side of the break, a little bit about the MLK celebration. And we'll break down whether... The catch was actually a catch. Oh, what's the difference between a catch and a reception? <laughs> You're listening to Nick Ferguson saying their perspective. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. I have a dream. I got a dream. One day. 
that was common and will I am I have a dream and next week we celebrate it'll be parades everywhere MLK Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. official holiday uh, and Mario with, with that being said it, it's always a very emotional time of the year and we question a lot about ourselves our morality uh, society as a whole and I, I'll ask you first you know, MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, gave that inspirational speech uh, several years ago. I have a dream. And I have to ask you, what, what we've seen take place over the past uh, two months, do you feel as though his dream has been fulfilled? Um. It's hard to say, Nick. I don't know that if it'll ever be 100% fulfilled simply because no matter where you are in America or where you are in the world, racism will still exist, unfortunately. I mean, it's just a shame that people are raised that way and, you know, you're not born racist, you are raised racist. I think that we have made tremendous strides since um, the passing of Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, these past few months, it seems like, have set us back, Nick. The whole situation in Ferguson uh, is just completely divided our races when we're all, you know, part of the human race. We are all brothers with one another, and I think that's what people need to keep in mind. You know, the circumstances of one's birth should not dictate how they are treated in this world. You know, you have no control over being born white, black, Muslim, you know, Mexican, what have you. So for, I mean, I've never understood it. It's been said once, it's been said a billion times. You know, how are you going to judge somebody based on the color of your skin? It, it's a shame, Nick, but that haven't been said. I mean, we do have an African-American president, which, you know, back in those days seemed like a, you know, harebrained fallacy. And now it is a reality. And you can take that for what it is. But I've seen strides, but we still have a long way to go. I would agree with you. I mean, we have not... Uh, reach that mountaintop that uh, Dr. King talked about. We still have a long way to go. Yes. Have we made some strides? Yes. If he were here alive today and looked upon our society, he would look at it as though some of my work has been accomplished. But together, only as a fist with a closed hand, that we can punch out, you know, race, discrimination, because like you said, these things you're not born with. These are things that we are taught. And that's why when I go out and I speak to kids, I try to deliver a little bit of the way uh, to happiness, a book by L. Ron Hubbard. And the reason why I feel that this is a great book, because whether you're an adult, whether you're a kid, these are morals and ethics that we need to carry through. And it speaks upon you know what Dr. King spoke about in his I Have a Dream speech. And I will be in Los Angeles uh, on Monday, and I will be take, participating in the MOK celebration. I will be on a float, and I'm very honored that I have been selected and chosen uh, to do that because it is my dream to go out and make sure that there's a brotherhood, you know, Jews, Gentiles, 
blacks, Hispanics, it really doesn't make a difference. We all bleed the same if you cut us open. It is up to us to change the life of our family, but more importantly, influence and change society. It starts with us. Everyone is looking at the United States. What are you guys going to do? So we have to show them. Let's stand together on MLK weekend and, and celebrate. And uh, feel free to tweet me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. You know, what you plan to do to continue the I have a dream speech because it's effort. We just can't say it anymore. We have to get out and do it. And I want to read something real quick from the way to happiness. And, and it's, it's called Be Competent. In the common pursuits and activities, man respect skill and ability. This is, these in the hero or athlete are almost worship. The test of true competence is the end result. To the degree that a man is competent, he survives. To the degree that he is incompetent, he perishes. Encourage the attainment of competence in any worthwhile pursuit. Compliment it and reward it whenever you find it. Demand high performance standards. The test of society is whether or not you, your family, and your friends can live it safely. The ingredients of competence include observation, study, and practice. Usually they say in the game of sports, practice makes perfect. No, it's perfect. Practice makes perfect. Yes. So go out, do something for your fellow man this evening, this weekend, and let's be good to one another. Speaking of observation, study, and practice, I would be remiss, my brother Mario, the other part of Ebony and Ivory, if I did not mention Des Bryant, Green Bay Packers. Dallas nice segue, Cowboys. Nick. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a professional here. I'm a hey. professional here. Hey. <laughs> so, so, Mario, I've had to talk about this ad nauseum. I've been on radio shows from here to ESPN Jamaica, and I have been debating this with several Dallas Cowboys fans on Twitter but I'm trying to tell them there's a difference between a catch and a reception. And I'm going to explain it yet again. A catch is what Des Bryant caught. Caught the ball, snatched it out of the, ra- out of the air, catch radius, big arms, big guy, strong guy, pulls the ball down, two feet on the ground, a catch. But here's the all-important part of the reception. You must maintain, let me repeat that again, You must maintain possession of the ball throughout the catch, even when you hit the ground. And I know, I don't like the rule. The ball shouldn't be able to cause a fumble, but it is the rule. So it was a catch and not a reception. How did you see it, Mario? I, (laughs) it's funny. I was at the Broncos game, so I didn't really get to see it up close uh, but I was on Twitter and just reading the tweets that I was that not I was getting, but that people were sending out. It's a catch. It's not a catch. Blah, blah, blah. And I got to say this, Nick, after I saw it. Yeah, it, it's a stupid rule. I remember when it happened to Calvin Johnson against the Bears a couple years ago. And I'm thinking, how can that possibly not be a catch? But if that's the rule, then that's the rule. It's a dumb rule. But rules are rules, Nick. I mean, why are we going to have rules if we're not going to follow them? 
And if the NFL really did make a mistake, they've been very uh, cavalier about coming out the next day or a couple days later saying, hey, uh, we made a mistake there. That was a catch. That never happened, Nick. They came out and said that the play in Detroit, that the flag should not have been picked up. And then they pointed out a couple other penalties. So the most obnoxious thing was all of these Cowboys fans saying, oh, hey, Green Bay, you know, hopefully you take those officials with you. Go ahead and thank the refs that you're going to the NFC Championship game. Like, really? You see no irony in that statement? (laughs) Give me a break. And Cowboys fans are mad. And you point out, oh, well, this is poetic justice. Well, then all hell breaks loose, Nick, and they get all upset. Bottom line, in my mind's eye, it was a catch. But according to the rules... Like if I if I make the rules, Nick, it's a catch. But I don't make the rules. People getting paid a lot more money than I do are making these rules and upholding these rules. It needs to be changed. But until then, stop complaining because it was not a reception. Hey, like I said, there's a difference between a catch and a reception. You must know the rules, study, observe, and practice. And with that, we have a caller calling in from New York. Al, you're in second. Your perspective. Go ahead. You have the floor. Gentlemen, what's going on out there? Hey, Al. What's going on, Al? Oh, man, I want to check in with you guys. I was listening. I, I loved hearing you guys on uh, on your, your views with uh, America and today. I agree with you guys. Um, I really think it'll never go away, but I also believe that in a number of years, we're all going to be the same color. Well, so, I'll let, let me ask you this question. Yeah. And I, and I pose a question to Mario and, and, and all the other listeners out there. MLK Holland, we know what he stood for. We know about the I Have a Dream. W- what do you feel that you can do personally to keep this I Have a Dream speech going? Well, well I mean, I, I just believe being a better person. You know, like you, you guys are talking about judging a book by its cover. Listen. We've started a lot of this ourselves, if you want to get really technical, and I don't think you guys have enough time. But when we sit here and we describe people, what do we say? Oh, this guy from there. This guy's a Republican. This guy's a Democrat. We put labels on things. So I think, me, myself, personally, I'm going to see everybody for who they are, and I'm going to treat them as an individual, and, and I'm going to hold true to my feelings in, at heart. I'm going to like, or should I say dislike, everyone equally and those are the people who are ignorant in any race in my opinion so i'm gonna i'm gonna honor my man mlk by being a good citizen loving my neighbor loving my brothers and sisters and everyone and being peaceful that's the only thing i can do and teach my children to love everyone the same that's it all right you can do that's the best thing you do i appreciate your call thank you very much thanks Al. all right guys all right, Mario, I mean, yeah, I mean, what, what more can you say? I mean, peace and goodwill to all men, and it's the pursuit of happiness. And we should all have that right, and we should all have that, that liberty. And speaking of the right and liberty, no Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, but there is a Jim Tom Sulo. Now, the one thing about Jim Tom Sulo, his only head coaching experience was in NFL Europe that no longer exists, but my former team, the Ryan Fire. So, so much has been said about guys looking to become head coaches, like, well, he doesn't have head coaching experience. He's only a position coach. Jim Tom Sulo, defensive line coach. So, I like anyone who has an opportunity to work. 
especially you're working in the NFL. But this opens the door, Mario, for other talented coaches who have no coordinated experience to now get their shot at a head coaching job. So Jim Tom Sulo has now set a precedent that other organizations have to follow suit at some point. What's your take? You know what? The Chicago Bears went up to Canada to get their last coach and look how well it turned out for them, Nick. Now they're going to go over to NFL Europe and, you know, not that they went over there, but I mean, they promoted within. I don't like this whole situation simply because it seems like they really jerked around Adam Gase. And you can say what you want about Adam Gase, but he was one of the bright spots in that game, believe it or not. I know it's difficult because they only scored 13 points in the uh, AFC Divisional round, but the game plan was there. The players simply didn't execute it. They made adjustments, and the players still couldn't execute with the adjustments. Gase should have been the head coach. And uh, local uh, radio personality here over at 104.3, the fan Nate Lundy, actually reported that Adam Gates was going to be the next San Francisco 49ers head coach. Turned out he wasn't. So we made a little bit of a blunder there. So just real quick, as a PSA to all of you local radio personalities, leave the reporting to the big boys like Adam Schefter and locally Vic Lombardi here. Because if you're trying to get the scoop on them, you're going to look like a jerk more often than not. Well, we don't want to look like a, a jerk at all, Mario. Two big games scheduled for this weekend. The Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Skywalker head to New England, take on Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And the Green Bay Packers head to the 12th man in Seattle, starting with the Seattle game. Who wins? Um, you know, let me just say real quick, Packers, uh, Patriots. That's the Super Bowl I got. Packers, Patriots. Hey, listen, we previewed this earlier in last year, and I said Packers, Patriots. I like the Seattle defense, so I might have to change that ever so slightly. Well, I want to thank Bobby Wesson, Alabama fan, for joining the program. Also, I want to thank my guys here at the Pavilion here in Los Angeles for keeping the show running smoothly. And everyone in Arizona, thank you so much. I am Nick Ferguson. You can follow me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. He is Mario Batanz. You can find him on Twitter at Mile High Mario. And the words of MLK, he has a dream. Go out there and live it. Try to change someone's life, including your own. We will see you back here next week. again for stopping by be sure to catch nick ferguson's secondary perspective again next thursday at 1 p.m eastern time 10 a.m in the west on the voice america sports channel we'll share some more great stories next week